Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Frogcast. Well, we are halfway through the season. The Frogs lost 27-14 to 14 to Iowa State. Uh, we're dropping this a couple days later than we normally do. Jeremy was traveling back from the less-than-field of dreams in Iowa. I had to work last night. And, hey, here we are. And maybe you would have wanted to take a couple days before you decided to pop on your podcasting app of choice and see how the Horn Frogs are doing. Oh, well, this is where we are. Jeremy, we're going to talk about injuries. Chandler Morris looks, uh, I'm going to say he's done for the year, even though you're going to tell us something different from Sonny. Uh, we're going to talk about how the Frogs are 3-3. Three and three. Neither, They're where neither of us thought we were going to be. But let's just start. How did you feel when the, you know, when the gun sounded and the Frogs were done up in Ames on Saturday night? What was going through your mind having watching that watched that team? I'm not going to sugarcoat it. That was the worst game I've seen since 2021 Kansas State. I mean, that was just bad football. I mean, you you go into a game, you're far more talented than what Iowa State has on the roster. You were far more t- uh, more talented than what West Virginia had the week before. And they lose two games that we penciled in as definite wins. Not just wins, but definite wins. These are games that TCU, ideally, should have won by two or three scores. They play poor on offense yet again. They've scored 35 points the last two games on offense. We had another tremendously horrible third quarter, um, whether it's execution, play, play calling. Don't know. Offense has troubles. Um, but no no uh, sugarcoating here. Worst game I've seen since 2021 Kansas State. You know, as we reflect back, especially in the post-2015 era of Gary Patterson, I know 2017 team finished in the top 10. That was a great team. That was a fun team. Teams like West Virginia, Iowa State, and even Texas Tech are teams that the Frogs always have more talent than. Always on, you know, 24-7 rankings, we have more talent than all of them. Uh, we have four stars that are, that are contributing in the NFL, three stars that are contributing to the NFL to this day. And those three games continue to be a chronic headache. You know, we talked about how we haven't won in Fort Worth in forever. I mean, we haven't won in Fort Worth in forever against West Virginia. We talked about that win last year in Morgantown. It was the first time since 20, uh, 2014. And, uh, you know, it, I, I remember you and I talking about this. If TCU hadn't played Iowa State early in the 2016 season, I think they would have lost to him by then because Matt Campbell finally started to get some strength going. I remember Ben Banigue, uh had a scoop and score, I believe it was, to beat Iowa State back in 2016. We're going back for us old-timers now. But, you know, my assessment, not just of how bad that game was Saturday night in Ames, which it was, that I agree with you. That was the worst performance since uh, that Kansas State loss in 2021. And we all know what, what was the result of, of that game. These are programs that if TCU wants to be uh, a, a, a player in the new Big 12, let alone the Big 12 that's coming to an end, if you can't handle West Virginia, if you can't handle Iowa State, and you can't handle Texas Tech – then you're in trouble. And I think, uh, you know, I'm not sounding alarms or going on about, you know, changes that need to be made, though I think some changes need to be made. Uh, this is just an indictment of, of where things are on the field. And so let's, let's just open it up with this question. Compa- we, we've seen what, we, what, what was on the field. We are both in alignment. We are in one accord in our assessment of just how sad that, that production was and that uh, effort was on the field Saturday night. 
How does that square with what you and I both were advocating for? And we weren't the only ones uh, back in, in, in August and early September that, you know, this is a, you know, I, you and I both said 11 and 1. Jamie Plunkett said, you know, 10 and 2 is, is really good, realistic as can be. People around the program were not just pumping smoke. Your comment about how this is the most athletic team that we've ever seen. I know you, you know, I've known you, I've worked with you for years. You don't, you don't pump sunshine. You don't polish a turd for the fans. You give what you believe is an honest assessment. We're all wrong. What's wrong? You know, last year we were all wrong too. It was a good wrong. And this year. Yeah. When we're a good wrong, it's okay. (laughs) It's so, it's such a bad wrong. I mean, I, I made a comment the other day. I feel really bad about, you know, posting how, good Chandler looked and, and practice and, and some other things. Cause people, sometimes they rely on what I'm reporting, not to puff out my own chest, but you know, I'm only reporting what I see out there and I'm getting some you know feedback from people around the program, but man, I, I just can't believe I was this wrong. I, I, there's no way that I would have looked at the schedule before the season and thought three and three, there's it, it, you could, you could have held a, you know, held me at gunpoint, and I would have, I would have, I would have gone to my grave saying they're not going to be three and three. There's no way they're going to lose to Colorado. There's no way they're going to lose to Iowa State. There's no way they're going to lose to West Virginia. But just looking at the overall scope of things, I made a comment two weeks ago, and before I get to that comment, I made, but just preseason, it wasn't just myself or you or Jamie and. Now, there were people coming up to me at Big 12 Media Days that cover other programs are like, man, TCU's so low. Why are they so low? I didn't vote them that low. They should be number two. Like, everyone kind of got did, that. What did all the Texas writers say to you? Yeah, a lot of the Texas writers felt like that would be the hiccup in Texas's schedule. Yeah, you know, and that, they are sunshine pumpers. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's that's what I'm saying. Like, people didn't people didn't see TCU falling this far. And and the bad thing about it is they were the story of college football last year. They're kind of becoming that story in Big 12 because everyone's looking at them as, man, how how did they fall so far? Yeah, they lost a lot of great players. Lost a lot of great players. Lot, lost a lot of great leaders, obviously. But two weeks ago, I made a comment on this very broadcast when we were looking at the rest of the schedule. And I made a comment when I said, I don't think there's a – team left on ske- left on the schedule that I don't feel TCU can't beat. They could beat everyone on their schedule. Now I'm looking at the schedule and thinking, where is a win? Where is a team out there that I know beyond a shadow of a doubt they can go out there and win? And, Jeff, there's honestly not a team for me to look. I know Baylor's down. I know Texas Tech ain't as good as people thought they were going to be. But I'm just looking at the rest of the schedule and looking at it from a perspective of, how do you turn this thing around? Because now we know they're going to have to average 30-plus points a game just to get a win. And what we've seen the last two weeks, they can't do that. And now they got to do it with a backup quarterback. And it's just going to get interesting. The one thing I will say, the silver lining of it all, media, fans, general public, they all love backup quarterbacks. And now we get a chance to see what Josh Hoover's all about. We've seen little crumbs of it, but now we get to see a a whole plate of it. So we'll just see how it goes. 
Well, we talked about last season, and we talked about where we are this season. I made this comment on the board, and I've actually said this for, for a couple of years on Horn Frog Blitz. Uh, TCU, since 2014, is either top 10 or an afterthought. They're either tuning in to the twenty, you know, to the college football rankings in November, or we're an afterthought. 2014, 2015, 2017, all top ten finishes. 2014, you know, top top four finish. 22, we finished number two. 16, 18, 19, 20, 21. You're basically 500 or worse. You know, you're basically 500 or worse. So TCU has is is so bipolar. You know, they're either right in the center of the national conversation or at the heights of it. Or, you know, we're on ESPNU at uh, 11 a.m., you know, metaphorically speaking. That, that's where we are. And so I, we're going to have – we're going to break a mold. The Frogs are going to break a mold if they're able to, to push beyond six wins for this season. So and, – and like you said, you know, who do you see that's, that's a, that we should, we should win that game? You know, Baylor's at the top of that list, but – we always know that TCU we, we were you know TCU was more than a one point uh, one point better than Baylor last year and they had to fight to squeeze that out in our in the famous uh, bazooka play uh, you know Tech is is going to be a headache in Lubbock this week BYU who knows what we're going to see who knows what Frog fans are going to see with BYU you know I I argue that BYU has a higher floor than any of the four teams coming in they're competent they're well coached I like uh, Sataki I think he's a good coach. And, you know, jokes aside, because, you know, I want to be respectful of all religions. Uh, you know, when you're 24 years old and you're a sophomore and you've been lifting weights, like you can you can lean on a 19-year-old a little bit easier. You know, you can you can win that that bar fight where they're drinking uh, non-alcoholic beer and the, the frogs are drinking whiskey. They can they can win that bar fight with age. It's one of the baked in uh, advantages that the system allows that they utilize. So I have no I have no confidence that the frogs are going to go out and win by 21. I'd love it. I don't know who is left this year that you're like, yep, that's going to be a w-. you know. Do you feel good about the Texas game? Do you feel good about being the only thing standing between Oklahoma and a rematch with Texas in the Big 12 title Thanksgiving weekend? I don't feel good about that, let alone going up to, to Kansas State and, and going to Bill Snyder Family Stadium and having to line up against them. Even though, even though they lost to, to Oklahoma State, they're, they're, we know what a headache Kansas State is, so... I think we've kind of accurately summarized the angst that that frog fans are are feeling because my my angst is 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 through the roof and I, I have a feeling you've got the same assessment. Yeah, and it's and it, and it's worse for me because, like I said earlier, this is I, I don't go lightly with my predictions. I don't like putting a lot of stuff out there. I don't like percentages. I don't like a lot of things, and 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 I kind of put my foot down with saying how how good this team was, how athletic they were, and. Hey, don't worry about Quentin Johnston being gone. Don't worry about Max Duggan being gone. We don't, you know, they're gonna, they're going to be fine. And there's, there's, there's just little things. I mean, yeah, the 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 naysayers are always going to say negative things each game, and eventually, what 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 do they say about a clock? It's right two times a day, and those naysayers are going to eventually be right. They're going to be right, but <clears throat> I'm the overly optimistic guy sometimes and I always try to try to spin a positive outcome um, with some of these things. I really, other than the way Imani Bailey played against Iowa state, I, I can't really do a lot of positive things from Iowa state. I mean, this is, I put it on my rapid reactions. This is an offense for the, the last two weeks 
You had one yard against West Virginia in the third quarter. And up until that final drive that TCU had in the third quarter that carried over into the fourth quarter, they had six yards before Monty Bailey broke off two nice runs. Hey, that's a, that's improvement, Jeremy. Five-yard improvement. <laughs> so seven yards the last two weeks in the third quarter, I either TCU's not making adjustments the right way or the players just aren't executing. There was times this season where I felt, man, they were so close. People around the program, man, we are so close. We're six points away from being five and zero top ten team, and that's what that's what kind of led me to have that optimism. But when you when you play the way you did against West Virginia, and you play the way against you did against Iowa State, you just don't have it. And early in the season, I had I had huge concerns with the defense. I think the defense, for as much as they were on the field the other night. I think they played okay. They gave up some lapses in, in in the game, but I mean, there's there's going to be times you can't have a defense on the field that long. I I don't know what's going on with the offense. I don't know if it's as much as play calling. I don't know if it's just simply execution. I know on that fourth and one play, Sonny talked about it today, where Chandler and Amani ran into each other in the backfield. That's a play that he said they've run 26 times this year. And for whatever reason, they collide with each other. He said that play could have gone for 30 yards. If they run it right, could have gone for 30 yards or even a touchdown. And those little things, those little things add up. But to me, this game didn't have a lot of those little things. It was just a pure lack of execution. The, the, the kids played hard. I'm not going to fault them for not playing hard. I do, I do think it's going to be better for Josh this situation to come into without having to come off the sideline and, and be rushed into a situation. He'll have all week to think he'll have all the reps, most of the reps. And I think we're going to see Josh Hoover have a productive day. I will say this, Jalen Robinson made a comment today that he said, he feels like we may be better vertically. We, we may be good, pretty, pretty good. And I will say that Josh throws a great vertical ball. I mean, you can go back and look at my practice reports and, I think I even said Josh throws the best vertical ball out of any quarterbacks. He just he puts great touch on it and and throws a catchable ball. But I'm I'm excited. Well, let, I'm excited for that. Let me get a prediction that you hopefully were, are going to be correct on. You talked all through the spring and the fall that Josh Hoover was one of the most improved players on the on the team through spring ball and then be, setting your eyes on him again in the fall. What you were talking about with the vertical game and just his composure. Now I know. Every frog fan is going to say, "Hey, he's been in there for two plays and had two fumbles in the shotgun." Uh, hey, you can't do that. There's no excusing that. But you have you've been able to see what he's been able to do, and, and Robinson out there giving giving witness to that. So we'll we'll see how it comes together. You know, you talked about things not things are just not clicking. I've got I got two things I wanted to share. One, of course, everybody knows what I do in my day job, but let me give you a part of one of my favorite Bible verses: Hebrews twelve fifteen. Uh, basically says, see to it that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many are defiled. I don't think there's one thing. I think there's some there's something at the center that is just kind of impacting and infecting everything else. I don't know if it was the pressure 
of coming off of the national championship game. I don't know if it was the expectations that we should be able to go out there and spank Colorado, like, like you and I said, and everybody else said. But it just seems like it, it's just spread across and that if there's a lack of focus and it's not like you should do a drill where you're more focused and then it gets fixed. Like, you know, you're talking about that fourth and one play. Uh, that that that's that's a mindset that is not of a comp of, of uh, that has nothing to do with skill that has nothing to do with even preparation that has something to do with i am not as locked in and it's 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 systemic more than it is just one one issue that needs to be fixed and i can't put my finger on it and i don't i don't want to pretend like i know the answer to it but something's not clicking at the core of the program and I'm, that's not me calling for heads that's a recognition that if they can get it right at the center, it can fix everything else. It can heal everything else. So thus ends the Bible lesson for the night of uh, Deacon Clark there. Yeah. If anyone, I mean, no one's calling for heads. I mean, that's, I'm not even going to say it. I mean, other people could say it for me, but I, I, I think it's kind of silly. That's the best word I can use for people calling for heads. I mean, that's, you're coming the year, you're off the national championship. I know everyone wants TCU to be Georgia. TCU's not going to be Georgia. They're not going to be Alabama. Okay, just get it out of the head. It's it's, it's not going to happen. Sorry, Jeff, you're looking real mean at me right now, but I'm just telling you. I, it, if I I bought a Powerball ticket, if I win, we are going to have the number one NIL in the country. I just want to be on the record of that right now. It's Jeff Mitchell and Jeff Bezos. That, that we're going to. I'm going to be the Phil Knight of TCU if I win this Powerball after I tithe. Of course, after I tithe to the Lord's church. <laughs> you better get your tithe in. <laughs> you better tithe. You tithe pre-tax. That's what the Bible says, baby. All you uh, going there talking about your strong Christians, you better tithe and pay your preacher. All right, moving on. I I mean, I don't think it, Sonny's not going to get rid of any, any coach on that staff um, if they're performing poorly one year. Um, But I don't know, man. It's It's – it's crazy. It's it's crazy to think about all the little issues and the execution part. But they they stood no chance to win the other night having four turnovers and having a blocked punt. I mean, you're essentially having another turnover right there. Um, but I know we're going to talk about Chandler. I'm gonna I'm gonna dive into I'm gonna I'm gonna segue into talking about Chandler with a couple of those things because go for it. I want to talk I want to talk about execution. I think everyone that watched the game can agree with me. That first interception he threw, I mean, that's not Browse. That's not Sonny Dykes. That's not A.J. Ricker. That's none of the offensive staff that had any fault in him making that throw. It was almost like he thought Iowa State was wearing a TCU uniform because he threw it right to the guy. It was like watching Sean Robinson throw that pick against Texas back in 2018. I need a trigger warning, please. Yeah. But that 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 was not. I mean, I, I hope everyone can agree. That's not a that's not a coaching mistake. That's that's an execution. The second interception, another bad throw. Great play by Iowa State to, you know, as he's going down to to rip that ball out of Dalen's Dalen's uh, grasp. But that's not Brow's fault. That play was there. That play was there. Dalen, if Chandler makes a good throw. It's a catch. Or if Dalen pulls it in better, it's a catch. It's positive yardage. Positive yardage. The punt block, it's another thing Sonny said today. They've had that same block 
that same blocking scheme for I don't know how long. And all of a sudden, the guy that knows what he's supposed to do totally has a brain fart and lets the guy go right by him. So you see a guy that's done consistently right all these times. All of a sudden, he has the brain fart. Is that is that the coach's mistake? Well, I don't think it is because if your player has done the right thing so many times and he has a lapse in thinking, that's an execution thing for me. Josh Hoover's interception, Sonny said it today, it's probably a throw he doesn't make if they're not in the situation that they're in, which they were behind. The cornerback baited him perfectly, and the, the guy just made a good play. It was there early on, but I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna fault Kendall Browse on that. I'm not gonna fault Sonny Docks on that. The only turnover that I would fault is that throwback JP Richard. Now JP had the choice. The play call wasn't gonna work because Iowa State wasn't gonna bite on it. Okay, that's that's the only part of it that I would say is the play calling issue. There was zero percent chance Iowa State was gonna bite on anything like that they they tried to run there. JP, <laughs> that's his execution throwing it into triple coverage. Um, I missed that play actually because I was walking from the press box down to the field, and but I saw it on replay, and I thought, oh my gosh, you what? didn't miss much. Yeah, so I mean, that's just that. I mean, people aren't going to agree with me. That's fine, but I I would hope on at least a couple of those turnovers, you can't fault. The play caller, if you get, you know what I mean? You can't fault the play caller. Some of that does have to go on the players. We're not dogging players, but we're calling it how we see it. And that's how I see it. That's that's just my opinion. You can agree with me. You could disagree with me. But when I have when I have a big Dalen Wright going out there catching the ball, I'm going to trust Dalen to, to catch it. You know what I mean? And I'm trusting Chandler to make a good a good read and a good throw. Well, I'll I'll disagree with you for just a little bit, just for the sake of argument. Um, since the Colorado game, I got no complaints about Gillespie. I got no complaints about the defense. I mean, you could say we need more pressure here, or we need to make this adjustment. That's fine. Since the Colorado game, I feel I feel pretty good about what the Frogs have done on defense. Feel feel pretty good. You know that loss against West Virginia. You know, hold them to twenty four. You know, they Iowa State scored twenty seven. We had some special teams you know, screw-ups that contributed to that. What I would say is we're going to need an evaluation and accountability about some play calling. You know, you and I have talked about it. I don't feel good about this, you know, third down, let's go sideline to sideline on third and short. Uh, why are we running a, a reverse pass there against, uh, you know, let's just get that game over with at that point, I guess is kind of where I'm at. Uh, I, I, I've got I've got some reservations about the Bryles offense. Brian Ferentz is putting up more points against Iowa State than Kendall Bryles is. And I know Bryles didn't throw that interception, uh, either of those interceptions. I, I, I get that. I, I agree with you on that front. But I just think there's too much talent that is not being utilized. And I think you take the the lack of utilization of the talent, and you combine that with the, the play calling that, that I've, I've not been comfortable with. Uh, I, I think it, I'm not, I'm not calling for a head. I'm saying I want some, I want to, I want somebody on a performance improvement plan starting this Saturday. Well, we're, we're going to see it. We're going to get an answer this Saturday because we're going to see either Josh Hoover is going to go out there and he's going to perform like Chandler has. He's going to struggle. Or 
if Josh goes out there and has a great game, they put up some points, then what do you go back to? Then it's then it becomes, well, why wasn't Josh starting the whole time? This is stupid. It's just like Max last year. You know, it, there's always going to be an argument. No one's ever going to be 100% satisfied, but we're we're going to get that answer. We're we're going to get that answer Saturday. We're they're not going to change up the whole offense just because Josh is back there. The reason why Josh was my most improved player from last year to spring and, and carrying over into fall camp, the kid completely transformed his body. He lost 25 pounds. He's not a slow, you know, stick in the mud pocket passer type guy. He loves being in the pocket, but he can escape. He can make some plays. He's he's not a magician like Chandler in that in that sense, but he can escape. He he can decently escape a rush. He's not he's not as fast as Chandler, but he's going to make plays where where he lacks in his running ability. I think Josh overcomes that with his passing ability. I think I, I really do think he throws a great deep ball, and I think. What we saw the other day, he's got some gunslinger in him. He he's he's going to make some plays, but we're gonna we're gonna see we're gonna see where the deficiencies were. Jalen Robinson's going to be back. How much how much is him not being in this offense hurt when you don't have a guy that can take the top off the defense? Second week in a row, Jeff, the opposing defense is playing. 10 yards within the line of scrimmage. All 11 players. Because they said, we don't give a crap. We know you guys can't run by us. We know you can't get open. And we know the quarterback can't complete a deep pass. Hey, we'll just play 10 yards deep the whole game. That's how we're going to play. And I promise you, until they show otherwise, BYU is going to do the same dang thing. They're going to line up close. They're going to have all 11 guys within 10 yards line of scrimmage. But again, we will see... We will see where these discrepancies are in the offense this week. Well, let's let's talk about Chandler. Let's talk about his injury here. I want to tee you up here to talk about what we know formally and maybe what you've you've learned on your own. But I, I want to give a little pitch here that I, I my heart goes out to Chandler Morris for a variety of reasons. Number one, of course, is you know I hate any kid that gets injured. I hate any kid getting injured for any team. I know that football is a is a sport that we love. But it also has inherent dangers that can um, that can really impact you for a long time. You know, he got hurt in the opening game last year. He gets handed the keys this year again. This is you know we are ready for this to be his season. And you and I talked about this after the Colorado game. You know, I thought Chandler played really well in that game. I mean, we've talked about the, the 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 psychological barriers that might be there to tuck and run, and and we see that we saw that in Iowa State. Why that might be a fear, but I I contend that your average message board and Horn Frog Nation Facebook page fan of TCU never gave Chandler a chance. I felt like they were piling on Chandler the way they did Kenny Hill in 2016. And, you know, I may have been a contributing force to that because I, I joined in the chorus of setting expectations higher than what reality has turned out to be. And so I feel really bad for Chandler. I know he's a good kid. I know he's got a lot of talent. And he's he's... I think one of the things that, that 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 hampers him that is one of the things I wanted to use as an illustration from all of us old guys, he's kind of a reverse Jeff Ballard. You know, Jeff Ballard was always terrible in practice, but, you know, the lights came up and he, he found a way to win. Like, just look at all those games that he won for the Frogs in uh, 2005, 2006. Uh, 
I'm not saying Chandler was terrible on game day, but he practiced well. There's the, This is not mythology that he looked better than Max in practice before the injury and even after the injury. This is not mythology that he had great practice through the spring and through the fall. This is not sunshine pumping. Uh, multiple sports writers don't agree with uh, agree on accident for this. Um, but I just don't, you know, it just didn't click for him this season. It didn't click for him this season. And I, and I hate it for him because I don't want to root against or see any college athlete, especially for the team that, that I, that you cover and that I love. So I, my heart goes out to, to Chandler and I hope he heals up. And, uh, it's, it's, it's just a shame that this happened to him two seasons in a row. So what do you know about his status and how does that set things up going the rest of the season? Yeah, it's a sprained MCL from what Sonny said. It is – they're kind of looking at it from week to week. I've been told four to six weeks is is the timeline. So if you if you look at that timeline, it's, you know, pretty much the, the rest of the season. Um, I saw him – I was on the field at Iowa State at the end of the game, and, I mean, he was very emotional. He walked off the field in crutches, saw his mom and dad, and just broke down. I mean, just – I feel bad for him because the kid does put in good work. And, you know, up until I, – I, I don't know what happened, but up until that second half against West Virginia, he was playing really, really good. You're right. He Yeah, sh- I, I don't care. He threw those – it reminds me of the stinking Tony Romo days when Cowboys fans used to bash him after he throws for 450 and five touchdowns and he throws an interception or throws two interceptions. Oh, Romo sucks. Well, if it wasn't for him playing so good, they wouldn't have stood a chance in the game in the first place. And that's kind of how I look at, how I look at Chandler. Yeah, he had two criti- critical mistakes, but he played well against Colorado. He played well against Nichols, played well against Houston, played well against SMU. Had a great first half against West Virginia. And then ever since that West Virginia, when they made that adjustment, that West Virginia game, when they made that adjustment, Iowa State just kind of copied that same blueprint. We've seen him struggle. We've seen him struggle. He should have thrown two or three interceptions against West Virginia. He didn't. He had zero interceptions. Looked great in the stack column. But he didn't get away with those plays this week. He didn't get away with with throwing to to the other team. They they were good enough to hang on to the ball. And that's what kind of what Mac Engel and I talked about in the press box. It's like he looked like he was in his own head at Iowa State. Like we we couldn't explain. It. Like he he was just trying to do so much. And we asked Sonny after the game, like, what is the situation there? And just go back and watch that post game interview. Sonny's dumbfounded as we are because it's just not what he sees from Chandler, and he's just trying to say he's he's trying to do too much. But what I do like about Chandler, from what Josh Hoover said today, we we talked about it, and I'll have that video uploaded on, uh, excuse me, Wednesday. Um, he said he said Chandler is, you know, helping him out. He's being a good being a good teammate, being a good leader. But the one thing Sonny said about Chandler is compared to last year, it it actually feels better. And Sonny said that was encouraging. So maybe it is a week to week thing. Maybe my source is wrong on the deal, and and we see him back in a few weeks. Um, but right now, we we know he's not going to be out there Saturday, and it's it's going to be the Josh Hoover show. All, uh, Josh Hoover show. All you guys that love the backup quarterbacks, you get your wish. Yeah, backup quarterback is here. Um, so so who's the backup quarterback now? 
I mean, I know that the frogs were we, we you know, if you're on Horn Frog Blitz, you were in there for the drama of what seemed like five portal quarterbacks we were trying to get to have a backup to be able to, you know, maybe have somebody come in and compete with Chandler, but you know, the 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 frogs were doing everything they could to get people on campus and it doesn't look like you know, who who was the kid that went to Baylor? Uh, Foster Robertson, Sawyer Robertson, Sawyer. I'm not 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 Foster Robin. You know, Sawyer Robertson. He he's not. Yeah, I'm glad we didn't get him. I can't believe that uh, Walker Howard is sitting on the bench at uh, Ole Miss. You know, maybe Spencer Sanders. Maybe Spencer Sanders comes in, and then whoever that left-handed kid was from Washington that was a five-star coming out that never that never panned out. I, I'm glad we didn't get him either. But Jeremy, who's our backup this week? I think I think it's going to be Grant Tisdale. Um, you know, Grant was a guy that was a highly touted four-star out of Allen. I mean, he he went to Ole Miss as a quarterback, and he almost immediately got moved to receiver because I guess he didn't didn't work out well at quarterback for the for the Rebels, and then he transferred to uh, South Eastern Louisiana. And played quarterback there two years, and just decided he's he's gonna uh, you know get back to Texas, walk on at TCU during fall camp when we were out there. He after after uh, Chance Nolan left, he was getting all the third team reps. I would watch out for a guy named Jimmy Wyrick. He's number twenty four on your roster, twenty four for quarterback. You got to you got to look at Odessa Permian for for guys like that that, that wear those those twenties as a quarterback, but. Um, it, it would be either one of those two, um, par D I'm not, I'm not sure. Uh, but you know, right now it probably won't see too many, uh, quarterback powers being called on uh, Saturday. It's going to be, you know, hand off to Imani, get the ball out quick and try to get Josh out of there healthy. This is eerily sounding like 2018 to me. I mean, are we going to have Justin Robert, uh, uh, we're going to have Justin Rogers with drop foot go in in the Cheez-It Bowl. And the, the play he had where he's not very mobile, but he, he knocks a guy to the ground that's trying to sack him. And then he, he runs and picks up some yards. That's that's kind of where I feel like we got, oh, Sean is out. Michael Collins is out. Mike Collins is out. Let's send, Just, let's send Justin in there. So uh, is that where we are? I remember that. I remember when Justin avoided the sack and everyone was like, see, he should be playing the whole time. It was like he did. He had his 30 seconds of fame and then everyone thought he should be the guy. Uh, not everyone, but a few knuckleheads. Well, let's talk about what we're going to see this Saturday. Uh, something we don't always get to do when we do Sunday nights, but, uh, you know, BYU's four and one. They have, they they beat Arkansas in Arkansas, which I don't know how good that is, but you get that stupid brand win where they beat an SEC team. Um, they got a loss to Kansas, and Kansas is good. You know, there's just no other way to say it. Kansas is a good team. And then the rest of their schedule, Sam Houston State, Southern Utah, I didn't even know that existed. Um, they beat Cincinnati uh, by one touchdown. All those games, Arkansas, Kansas, and Cincinnati, Those are none of those are double-digit games. So, I don't know what we're going to get against BYU beyond the stereotype of BYU plays hard. BYU has some older D linemen. BYU, uh, you know, has a Polynesian pipeline, and we all we all know that the, the they're they're just built differently, and, and that that is going to cause some problems on the defensive line uh, with them on the defensive line. What do you expect the Frogs to come out and be able to do against BYU? Rolling out there with Josh Hoover. <clears throat> 
It's going to be a tough game. I mean, they're four and one. Like you said, they beat Cincinnati last week. They lost to a very good Kansas team. Thank God TC doesn't play Kansas this year because I don't think they'd win. What? Um, Talk about how weird the world is now. I'm telling you. Uh, <laughs> talk. I mean, they're. Someone asked me today or yesterday what would happen if their coach got approached by like a Minnesota, and I said, "Why would he leave? I mean, he can win seven, eight games at Kansas every year and be and be a god up there, and they're getting a new stadium, they're building all kinds of stuff. Why? Why would he leave now? But and 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 now Michi- with the new Michigan State should hire him. Yeah, I don't know if he'd ever if he leave- can stay off the phone. Yeah, I don't know if he. I don't know if he would leave. <laughs> Just caught that. I don't know if he would. I don't know if he'd leave Kansas with kind of the direction he's got them going right now. But they only beat Sam Houston fourteen to nothing. And Sam Houston, you know, they won the FCS championship a couple years back, and they're making the they're they're making the move to D one, whatever. Are they going to be in Conference USA? I, I haven't kept up with them, but they, they are. They they are FCS or FBS this year. Okay. Yeah, they, I know they are FBS. Yes. Yeah, and it's in Conference USA. Yes. They are they playing Conference USA right now? Yes. Okay. So, I mean, you look at that, yeah, they beat Arkansas. They run the ball good. They have a kid from USC that transferred as soon as Caleb Williams got there. He said, "I'm not playing with this competing against this guy." He got out of there. Uh, is it Slovis? Keevan Slovis? Keevan okay. Slovis, yeah. Yeah. So he's he's thrown for ten touchdowns, three interceptions. They've they've got a a decent run game. They've, they're big up front. They're I, I will say this: Slovis doesn't run around like Garrett Green and uh, Rocco. Oh, Rocco from Iowa State. He can't. You know, he, I don't think he's as good a runner. So that might help out the defense a little bit. But the defense for them, they they're an older defense. They play assignment football. They don't make a lot of mistakes. So it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough for the offense. What I hope, what I hope to see from TCU is more than seventeen point five points. That is the number of points they've averaged the last two ball games. I want to see a win because it's a whole heck of a lot funner to cover this team when they win. Not because the coaches are mad, but because. You fans get mad. You fans get ugly, and you start threads about firing coaches. And I, <laughs> they blame you, basically. Yeah, well, they haven't blamed me. I don't think if they have, I haven't seen it. Of course, uh, and I'll and I'll give full disclosure. I don't go back and read those game threads. If someone replies to me, I don't go back and read it because there's literally times when I post something on page fourteen, and by the time I refresh, it's already like page twenty-one, like five minutes later. Like everyone's going crazy on their phones, just typing whatever. I'm like. Man, when do you guys have a chance to watch the game? I mean, you're posting on Horn Frog Blitz, which I love. I love it. I mean, we're we're by far the number one site for TCU fans to go on and 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 talk and cuss and discuss about the game. So I'm I'm very happy about that. But what I want them to see is what I want to see from them: consistency. I don't want to see them have a good offense 20 to 20. I want to see them go beyond the 20 and actually put points on the board. I want to see special teams look good. Special teams has been, I, I hate to say we it. We haven't I, even gotten into it, but it's the yeah. weakest spot on a weak team. Yeah. And, and I love Mark Tomerdahl. He's just such a genuinely nice guy, but gosh, darn man, the special teams. It's like, 
what's going to happen this week? It's like, what, there's something bad going to happen on special teams. What's it going to be? What's it going to be this week? And it's just, it's just piling up, man. It's something about special teams is, it's the worst special teams I've seen TCU have. And I, I, I can't even tell you, it might be the worst ever that I've ever seen them have in a span of six games, all the, all the mistakes that's going on. So <clears throat> I want to see Josh go out there and make good decisions. He's probably going to throw an interception. That's he, He's a young quarterback. Someone said Chandler was a young quarterback somewhere today. And I'm like, dude's like fifth year, fifth year in, in college. He's, he's, he's played a lot. I mean, he's, he's older than Max Duggan. And, I saw you mentioned the Horn Frog Nation the other day, the Facebook page. I saw someone posted on there, hey, it should be a competition. Trayvon Boykin moved from running back and was a good quarterback. And everyone just dogpiled that guy. It's like, Trey was not a running back. He was always a quarterback. Matter of fact, he was the guy that they recruited over another guy named Johnny Manziel. That's who they wanted. They wanted Boykin. So if you're listening, it's not Jonathan Jones that played football at TCU. is another guy. Um Trey Boykin was always a quarterback, always a quarterback. So I want to see Josh, if Josh could throw for 200, if he could throw for 200 to 220, I think TCU wins. They've got – they can't be one-dimensional like they've turned into the last the last two weeks. They cannot do it. They cannot do it. Amani Bailey cannot carry this team by himself. Although he tries, that sucker right there runs as hard in the fourth quarter as he does the first quarter. That's my – that's my award right now. Six games. We're talking midway point. He is the MVP of this team. Without a doubt, Imani Bailey is, is the MVP of this team. Without Imani Bailey, I looked over at Mac the other night at the game. I said, if they lose Imani Bailey, this this thing's going to go downhill fast because they don't have anyone. They don't Trey, – Trey's serviceable. Trent Battle, serviceable. Corey Wren. Gosh, you got to catch that ball, Corey. You could have had your first touchdown. And and I think Cameron Cook, I think he's got a ton of talent. I think he's going to be good later on in his career. But Amani Bailey, no one – another prediction that I didn't have because, I mean, we thought this was going to be running back by committee. But this guy is the workhorse. He he is the dude. And so if, if Josh can help him out just a little bit, throw for 200, 220, I think TCU is in good shape to win this game. I think the frogs are going to be competitive. If if nothing else, I think the pressure is off. You know, everybody's going to want to play well for Josh. Obviously, having Robinson back, but you know where it's going to be won against BYU is. You know, we talk about who we miss the most from last year, and everybody's like, "Oh, we miss Max and Kendra and then Demarcado and, and and QJ and all of that." You know who I miss? I miss Steve and I miss Dylan Horton because they were big, they were on the line, and they mixed things up. And they they came to fight, and that that is where we're going to have to be able to, uh, to to compete against BYU. Is I think we're going to have to be able to run the ball. We're going to have to have a cohesive offensive line. You've talked about how they swung things around a little bit with the offensive line. I I don't know how confident I am in the offensive line against BYU. So if we win, it's because I think Bailey goes for one one uh, you know a buck fifty, and I think the offensive line is able to protect Josh. If they can't do those two things. There's no way the Frogs are going to be able to win because I just think it's going to get in their head and they're going to play so tight. But if they're going to be able to run the ball and protect the quarterback, 
I, I think that's going to be a formula to be able to be in a position to, to beat BYU, who, who is, you know, they're 4-1. Frogs give anything to be 4-1. Yeah, you got that right. I, I think the, the switch in the offensive line, which we're going to see the same thing this week, Coleman's still going to be at left tackle. Coker's going to be at right tackle where he's way more comfortable. You're going to see a combination of Colton Deary and Ben Whitfield at left guard. You'll see Deary more, I think. You'll see uh, John Lance at, at center, and you'll see Willis Patrick at right guard. I thought they did a, a lot, a, a much better job running the football against Iowa State than they did against West Virginia. They created some great running lanes. Monty Bailey had some good runs. I don't have the numbers in front of me. I don't know how many sacks they allowed, but it couldn't have been five like they did against West Virginia. So I think that's a positive sign with the offensive line. But you got to have these skill guys step up now. I mean, there's there's no question. You you, you got to have – it, it sounds cliche, but you can't, you can't turn over the ball and win games. You can't have – you can't have – I won't really count the later interception by John, John Paul, JP, but you can't have you can't have two interceptions on your first two drives of the game. You can't you can't win that way. And that's what I mean. You had two interceptions. They were driving down the field with ease. If we have ten points from those two drives, it changes the whole game. Changes the whole thing. But you can't start a football game off by having two turnovers on your first two offensive possessions. You're not going to win a lot of games like that. And that, and that's another thing what I liked about defense. Defense didn't let things happen off those turnovers, but they could only play so much. They can only be out there on the field so many times. There's there's going to be breaks in that defense when they're out there so much. So I'm going to give them grace, Jeff, because you've taught me how to give grace Amen. To, to, to watching things. So I'm going to give the defense some grace. I'm about to my wits end with the offense right now. And I'm 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 placing, and I know guys are going to hate me, but I'm placing more blame on the players right now than I am the coaches. Well, we're going to see how that shakes out on Saturday, man. And if you're wrong, I'm going to hold your feet to the fire. I'm going to call you out. I'm going to call you the carpetbagger that you are. Hey. If if the players themselves can call themselves out on Twitter and everything else for them not doing the job, then I can do it, and they and they won't hate me for it. But I, I guarantee you, if you if you walked up to Chandler and said, "Hey, man, what happened on man? That's that's all me. I got to do better." You know that they're gonna they're gonna hold responsibility. They're gonna take the blame. But the coaches at the same time do have to accept that blame too. They have they have to, like Sonny says, they have to at some point look in the mirror. And figure out what are they doing. Like Kendall, does he need to does he need to dummy down some things? Does he need to not do some certain things in certain situations? Does Joe Gillespie have to do the same thing? We saw AJ Ricker. He made an adjustment. He made the adjustment. He he moved. He tried his offensive line a certain way. He tried to have Coker playing. He tried to give Brandon a, a chance to play left guard, but that just doesn't work for them. They need Coleman and they need. Coker at the edges. That's that's their best protection. That's the best line that they have. And AJ Ricker made that decision, and they they played well. The offensive line I thought played well. And so now you got to look. What other coaches are going to make those adjustments? What what are we going to see? We have to see something. So I'm looking forward to Saturday. It's it's kind of I don't want to say it's 
I, I will say it's gonna it's gonna kind of be fun because I like watching young players. I like watching young players play for the first time. I'm glad J- that Josh is getting to do this at home and instead of next week in Manhattan. I'm I'm glad he's gonna you know have the home crowd behind him. But I'm kind I'm kind of excited. I'm kind of excited because I always like. If you read my practice reports, if you've been around me for a long time, I always somehow mention the young players, the young players. I love the fact when a freshman could go out there and make plays. So I'm kind of excited. And this ain't a knock against Chandler at all, but I'm excited to see what Josh can do in a, in a live game because we've seen flashes from him. Everyone saw the spring game. He, he had flashes. J.P. Richardson was his favorite target. So I, I, I think – I think Josh is going to be able to spread the ball around like Chandler does, and and hopefully he makes good decisions. And you know what? It sounds crappy to say, but maybe we have the same thing we had last year, where the backup comes in and and sets the world on fire, and then you can't. I'd hate it for Chandler, but if if Josh goes out and has the top of games that helps them get wins, you've you've got to seriously take a look. And someone posted on the board a while back that. They said if Josh gets in there, Chandler may not get his job back. So they're getting that from somewhere. And now people I talk to, they're all very, very high on Josh. They've been that way since spring. But if he goes out there and, and, and plays really well, then it's good for TCU. And it's, it's you know sad to say it could be bad for, for Chandler. Hey, I'd love to see Josh go out there and go four and two to close the season out. That'd be great. See him go four and two to close the season out, and uh, you know it, it, we're going to be we're going to be underdogs in probably half the games the rest of the year. We'll be an underdog at Tech. We'll be an underdog at K State. Underdog at Norman. We'll be an underdog at home against Texas. But hey, let's see what we you don't know, get. Beat BYU and see what happens. Get back to having a winning record and see what happens. Uh, we 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 thought we were going to be we you know we talked about the frogs being seven and zero going into to Manhattan. Not the case. Not the case. Four and three. That 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 be it's better than being three and four. So, uh, well, Jeremy, we've we've beaten this dead horse. Um, I know we're coming at everybody a little later in the week, but that's just what life is. You got anything you want to throw on the fire here before we wrap up this episode of the Frogcast? The Frogs got a good commitment from Chris Jimerson for the uh, 2025 class. So to kind of give some background on him, he's he plays quarterback at North Crowley. He's, say, anywhere between 5'9", five, 5'10". Five, Number one, TCU's building a great pipeline into North Crowley, which is a great pipeline to have because – Somebody they, told me it's a mini Duncanville. That, yeah, that's it's – you've heard the – the phrase is mini Duncanville or Duncanville of the West. They're really becoming a, a, a very prominent program. They've got a lot of young talent. Are they recruiting as well as Duncanville? <laughs> what are you talking about? Crowley is a tremendous community to move to, Jeff. I mean, they've got I, I'm a... Not, hey, Joey McGuire recruited the heck out of Cedar Hill. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm not knocking it. Uh, you you tell me Alito doesn't recruit? you telling me that... Joey didn't recruit at Cedar Hill. I'm hey, that's everybody's got a uh oh what's his name? Buddy Pettigrew. No, what's what's the Buddy McGarry. Buddy Buddy McGarity. Buddy Garrity. Buddy Garrity. Buddy Pettigrew is a guy I went to seminary with. Sorry. Buddy Garrity out there recruiting, getting dad a job, setting up a fake mailbox. Not a thing wrong with that. But anyway, I hijacked it. Uh North Crowley's a good program. Yeah, and Alito fans will be happy to hear me say this. Back in the late 
or early aughts, 2010. Yeah, I, I, I can see that. But they've been so successful now. People want to move out there. They don't have, they don't have to recruit anyone. To be honest, they get they get people in all the time. There's several private schools that are that way too. That they people always accuse them of recruiting, and pe- parents want to bring their kids to that community. They want to bring them to that school. So that's for you, Alito fans. I know you guys are listening. Bearcats rule. They uh they got Haas Haney. There's nothing future. wrong with recruiting in high school. I want to be on the record about that. Well, you could be our buddy Garrity in a couple years, try to try to build up a private school somewhere. But no, uh Chris Chris is a tremendous player back back to Jimerson. Um electric. They recruited him at, at receiver. Doug Meacham loves him. He's gonna be a slot type receiver. I have been told Mike Roach he he told me before that if a if a team comes in and looks at him as a quarterback, we could have a De'Aaron King situation. <laughs> Is he going to go play quarterback somewhere? I don't know. I, I don't know if he's that kind of talent. But there's a lot of people that are very high on Chris, and Chris is Chris is the thing that makes North Crowley go. That's why they're six or seven and zero right now. They they are playing extremely well, and I think against Lucas Lovejoy, he had like almost 400 all-purpose yards. So when you're doing that against Lucas Lovejoy, that's that's pretty impressive. Well, it's good to get some good news, and it's good for Frog fans to realize, hey, kids two years from now are still interested in TCU. They're, you know, I, We always think, oh, we lost. Is every kid going to decommit from this class? No, we actually got kids coming on board, even though it's been a struggle for the first half of the year. Hey, props, props to the HFB community, because I haven't seen one post about anyone, anyone being scared about losing commits because of the record right now. So, Props to you guys for not starting those threads because I, I I love not having to answer those. Jeremy, can you get in touch with every recruit after the loss and tell us how their status is? Because I heard down at the Piggly Wiggly on my way to the Dairy Queen that every kid is leaving and going to Tech because they go for it on fourth down. We need to do that more. So. <sighs> All right, we're gonna bring yeah. this to an end. We've done enough. We've we've, we've done enough chatter here at the end. <laughs> Hey, everybody, thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Frogcast. As always, log on to hornfrogblitz.com, proud members of the TCU 24-7 sports community. Everything you want to know about what's going on inside the program, around the program, as well as Jeremy highlighted recruiting, which should be firing back up here, especially as we get later in the season. Official visits will start. Kids coming on campus. You never know what's going to happen. Recruiting, or especially early signing day, is always a circus. And stay logged on. We'll come on at you next week as we hopefully will recap a frog victory after a win against BYU. You, you know, pulling for you, Josh, pulling for your frogs. Let's see what we can do to end this season on a positive note. So until we get back together for Daniel Southern, for Jeremy Clark, I'm Jeff Mitchell. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Frogcast.